Hello listeners, my name is Kevin Montalbo, the host for Coding Over Cocktails and content editor for Toro Cloud, the company behind this podcast. Our company is an iPaaS provider with a low-code API-centric platform for application integration, data management, API management, microservices, and workflow automation. We are glad to welcome you all to our very first episode and are happy that you're with us. Our podcast series will focus on issues faced by enterprises as they manage the process of digital transformation. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy. This first episode is about data integration in medium-sized enterprises. Cheers! Companies often hold vast amounts of data in various databases, legacy systems, and SaaS applications that they use. According to a 2020 article by Forbes on Big Data Trends, nearly 36% of companies don't use all the data they possess. This data was labeled by Gartner as dark data, which is data a company collects but isn't used. Global market and intelligence firm IDC says that a company fails to use 90% of this data and it's most likely because they don't have the tools to capture and analyze it. This was one of the challenges David Brown was facing in 2010, who was implementing an enterprise-class e-commerce solution at his own mid-size enterprise. We started out using uh, our own uh, in-house systems. So we, you know, I came from a software development background, so we continued that process of writing our own software. But it was difficult, and this is one of the challenges associated with running a business, is you end up becoming a software company to uh, run the business itself. David is now the CEO of Taro Cloud, a company that enables the digital transformation of an enterprise with solutions for application integration, API management, application development, and workflow automation. In this inaugural episode, we'll explore the origins of Toro Cloud, how their story began, and the solutions that they're offering medium-sized enterprises who would like to start their digital transformation and data integration journey. David joins us from Hong Kong. So David, can you tell us what you were doing before all of this began? Did you specifically set out to establish an IT company when you were starting out? Um, yes and no. Like when we first started out, we we're developing e-commerce software. That was in the uh, late 1990s. Uh, that was in Australia. We we had a uh, solution for small business. It was a very popular solution. We had uh, several hundred uh, customers using our e-commerce solution. Um, but then we decided after the dot-com bust, we decided to uh, deploy uh, our own e-commerce website. And so we kind of pivoted to being a retailer ourselves. And that business grew really quickly. Uh, it actually went from 300 orders in its uh, first month to 300 orders per day within three months. Uh, within three years, we're doing uh, 3,000 orders per day. Wow. Uh, it grew uh, to the point where we really needed to deploy enterprise class software solutions. Uh, mm -hmm. We had over 100,000 uh, products. We uh, were dealing in multiple currencies. We had uh, three logistics centers around the world. Um, and uh, we were serving, seeing different websites in different markets. Can you tell and, us what you were using back then uh, to, for, that kind of, uh, for that kind of challenge, for that kind of uh, solution? Or were you using yeah. some, were you using a solution back then? 
Sure. Um, I mean, we started out using uh, our own uh, in-house systems. So we, you know, I came from a software development background. So we continued that process of writing our own software. But it was difficult, and this is one of the challenges associated with running a business, is you end up becoming a software company to uh, run the business itself. For David to run his mid-sized enterprise successfully, they had to turn to enterprise class solutions. So in, in our, in our uh, case, we were selling uh, products online, but instead of focusing on uh, the best way to sell those products online, we were focusing on software development to facilitate selling those products products online. Mm -hmm. So that's why we went out to market to uh, see if we could get you know, uh, best practice or uh, industry leading software platforms to take us to the next level. Mm -hmm. And that's where my experience came with deploying enterprise class solutions because they weren't really designed for a mid-size enterprise. So mid-size enterprise is defined as uh, anything between 50 and a, a billion dollars in revenues, or it could be a uh, number of employees, 100 or more employees. And so we were kind of in that uh, category of uh, business. And uh, with a, a mid-sized enterprise, you really don't have the resources of a large enterprise to procure and deploy enterprise class software. A large enterprise may have a floor of uh, systems integrators and developers. Uh, they can do uh, specialized training over large periods of time and have projects which last for years to deploy enterprise class software. A mid-sized enterprise has the same complexity of a large enterprise, but mm. needs to be able to self-evaluate, needs to be able to learn quickly, deploy quickly. Uh, they need uh, solutions which are accessible, uh, something that they can try before they buy. Uh, all these type of things, and uh, that sort of developed a passion for me for creating enterprise class uh, software, which was accessible. Yeah. So uh, from this, can you describe what the iPaaS and data integration scene? Because you were needing these kinds of solutions for your mid-class enterprise. So what what was the iPaaS uh, scene like when you were starting out? Well, it was just evolving. Um, I mean, the application and data integration space is, is not new. Uh, the early companies in this space, such as Tibco, uh, Informatica, and Web Methods, they were formed in the early 1990s. Mm -hmm. um, and then in the 2000s, open source solutions such as MuleSoft and Talend emerged. Uh, but up to this point, the solutions were largely on-premise. You would uh, buy and deploy a large, you know, monolithic on-premise system. Uh, the data integration itself resolved, uh, revolved around protocols like um, XML RPC and SOAP. XML was the um, uh, data file format of choice you know, at those times. Um, and then in the uh, 2010s, uh, Del Boomi was really the first to emerge with an uh, iPaaS. Mm -hmm. uh, now, the difference with an iPaaS is that it's a fully managed online service. You can just log in through uh, with a web browser and uh, create all of your integration, data transformations, and even the deployment uh, entirely through a web browser online. Mm -hmm. It took a while for the rest of the legacy operators to catch up with this concept, uh, even with uh, us slow to adopt emerging technologies such as REST. Mm -hmm. um, even today, some of those uh, players uh, still really, although they call themselves uh, an iPaaS, they really have uh, on-premise systems where you would build integration, but they may have an online um, managed service for hosting the application or hosting the integration. Mm 
So we were we have uh, started our process of building a uh, IPAS in 2014. So we had the benefit of hindsight of how all of the uh, industry was emerging and changing. And so we we're able to catch up with uh, existing standards such as uh, REST uh, and emerging standards such as OpenAPI from day one and uh, consider integration uh, platform as a service as a deployment model as well as on-premise. There's still a place for on-premise. There's a lot of deployments uh, behind a uh, enterprise firewall where you want an integration system uh, connected directly to, for example, a legacy database. Uh, and it maybe expose that as a RESTful API so that other systems can consume it. Yeah. So there's a there's a place for both. So Toro was able to leverage all these all these trends towards IPaaS, REST, Open API, and we're able to put on top of those trends uh, emerging uh, and innovative uh, standards like microservices and low code uh, uh, de development platform uh, and the like. At this point now, um, at this point in your story, Toro is now existing, right? Mm. So mm. how how did you come up with a Toro brand? Well, I mean, like a lot of brands, they 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 evolve. Uh, and our brand, when we first started, started as an acronym. Um, we were pr uh, looking at providing solutions. Being an online retailer ourselves, we were looking at providing turnkey solutions for an online retail operation. So it was an acronym for that purpose. Um, but actually, the, the the product we started to build, we knew had a much broader focus. Uh, than purely online retail and solved uh, the digital transformation requirements of enterprise in any industry. And so we're really, we've never used the uh, an acronym, but it's um, mm. always been Toro as a brand. Then when we launched the uh, iPass platform, Mm -hmm. um, then we changed our name to Toro Cloud. So instead of becoming just uh, Toro, we actually started out as Toro.io as our, our domain name. It became uh, ToroCloud.com. Yeah. So it was never because you were Taurus. It was never because of your zodiac sign. <laughs> no. no, 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 no Taurus in the zodiac. Actually, I'm an, I'm an Aquarian. All right. Okay. With Toro now established, David and his team had his sights set on creating a low-code solution that would be ideal for mid-sized enterprises, who usually face the same problems that large-scale organizations had, but without the resources and manpower. So uh, now that uh, Toro Cloud is here, what pro what problem did you tackle first on your Toro Cloud platform? Well, when we first started developing the solution, we, we tried to create a low-code solution. So mid-sized enterprises said they, they need something which is accessible. So that, 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 that has a number of different requirements. So accessible means that they need to be able to uh, self-evaluate. You should be able to uh, go to our website and discover uh, what it does download and try it or log in and try it. Uh, pricing should be transparent and accessible, tutorials and um, and documentation. But it also should be accessible to learn, understand, use and deploy. And so we started out from day one trying to build a low-code solution. Uh, now, what does low-code mean? Well, low-code doesn't mean no-code. Low-code provides the building blocks uh, for building your application, your integration, or your, your data management. But you can still code when you need it. You see, enterprise uh, integration requirements are complex. Uh, so low-code uh, so, uh, low can normally get you so far. Uh, in, 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 a, in our case, we developed a low-code framework called Gloop. 
Mm-hmm. Now, Gloop is a visual declar- declarative language that reduces uh, 99% of the code you need to build uh, integration, service logic, uh, data management, uh, APIs, and workflows. It still allows you, still gives you that flexibility of that remaining 1%. That 1% is critical because it's what differentiates uh, enterprise flexibility and uh, uh, complexity. Mm-hmm. And so you can still write a script in a language of your choice. You can use uh, Groovy or JavaScript, Python, uh, Kotlin, uh, where it's needed. But the low-code uh, visual declarative language is like Lego blocks that you can uh, drag and drop to get 99% of the grunt work done without writing a single line of code. Mm-hmm. Are we the first ones to do this, this kind of um, drag and drop Lego blocks uh, architecture for building code? Low code is, is, as a concept has been around for a while, but it, it, when it first started out, it was uh, was very, very basic. Uh, so for consuming data, for example, uh, you might um, tell it the connection to your database and it would visualize a uh, a table in that database as a, as a web page, as HTML. Mm-hmm. But there was really no sort of interaction with that uh, that table. Uh, there was no logic behind it. It was just represented the data. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when we were investigating low-code solutions when we started out, they were the predominant ones. It's evolved. This industry is a buzzword now, and it's evolved quickly, and there are some major players in the space. But... Um, we uh, we decided early on, given our uh, target market, uh, that we wanted a low-code platform. So that's where we started. That's where we focused, mm-hmm. and we built a very, very uh, strong platform, specialising in certain domains. Uh, so our low-code platform is very, very good for building integration service logic and APIs and managing data and the transformation of that data, building uh, event-based workflows and business process automation. Mm-hmm. These are the domains where our, our low-code platform excels. So you said that you started out uh, in this low-code mentality, uh, creating low-code solutions for uh, businesses. Where is the company now headed? Uh, what are the problems that the company is trying to solve right now? Well, the uh, company is a, is a really a platform for digital transformation. And uh, digital transformation, again, is another buzzword, but it means different uh, things to different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's often discussed at a, at a boardroom level. And a boardroom level discussion may be very, very different from uh, someone working within the company. Yeah, uh, so at a board level, they might be looking at creating uh, operational efficiencies. So how can we make our business more productive through automation? But uh, they could also be talking about creating new digital products in a, in a digital uh, API economy. Uh, So they take their existing business processes uh, and knowledge and create digital products out of that where they might uh, sell uh, uh, each uh, request sense uh, or whatever billing model they they decide. Um, And they can transform their business from an industrial age company into a digital age company. Now, to other uh, members of the organization, say, for example, a marketing executive, they could be looking at digital transformation just within their domain, their department. Yeah. So they may want to integrate their CRM system with their uh, online store, their e-commerce or their billing systems. They might have multiple marketing campaigns being managed through offline and on- on- online systems. 
They may want a single customer view across all of those systems. To them, to a marketing executive, that's what digital transformation may mean. Mm -hmm. So uh, regardless of uh, what you are trying to achieve, there are certain um, mechanisms to achieve that. And so Tori Cloud facilitates digital transformation uh, to all of the stakeholders uh, through a platform that enables uh, integration, uh, low-code application development, uh, workflow automation, API management, and we're going to continue to extend this framework. Uh, and it will take this framework to make it easier and easier to use, more and more accessible. We'll facilitate uh, integration and data management APIs through to full-blown application development. So not only the back end of the service creation and exposing those services as APIs, but also the front end in a uh, visual mechanism, for, uh, low code mechanism for dragging and dropping the front end of the application, as well as uh, the full life cycle of the API management itself. Mm -hmm. So it becomes a platform really for, for digital transformation, whether your objective is uh, uh, creating a new uh, digital uh, company with new uh, digital products and digital economy, uh, or simply automating processes, or getting a single view across the organization, across all of the applications and uh, data processes and systems. Uh, so that's where, that's where we are and that's where we're going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, right now, as we're talking, uh, we're currently in the middle of a global pandemic. Uh, how do you see digital transformation, uh, how do you see digital transformation's role in this uh, global pandemic that we are in right now? That's obviously, uh, accelerated the shift to online services. The, the, the shift was already in place before the pandemic. It just mm -hmm. really accelerated it because overnight we had everyone working remotely. Yeah. Uh, even, even in our own organization, <clears throat> we had to, uh, within half an hour, enable <laughs> everyone uh, to work from home the next day because we were given half an hour's notice that uh, the area was going to be put into lockdown. So we were quickly handing out uh, computers and laptops and monitors and that to every employee so they could work from home. Now, our systems, or being a you know, software company and digital offering digital uh, transformation solutions, we were already well-placed uh, to work remotely. And uh, our systems were largely online. Our processes were largely online. Our collaboration tools were all online. And so it was really an easy shift for us. Um, but for a lot of companies, uh, this requires large-scale uh, digital transformation efforts to facilitate remote working and the productivity requirements associated with that. The monitoring management, it requires uh, new processes, new integration to get uh, remote views of uh, uh, both online systems as well as on-premise systems. So it, uh, it requires a large-scale effort. Uh, all of the things that we've been doing for years, it's accelerating that. That's our guest for today, David Brown, CEO and founder at Toro Cloud. On our next episode, we'll look at the API-first design, how APIs shape our world, and how your organization can utilize this methodology to supercharge your adoption of APIs. The first three episodes of this podcast are now available for streaming or download. Make sure to check them out and subscribe or follow us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. And visit our website at torocloud.com. We're also on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Just look for Toro Cloud. My name is Kevin Montalvo for Coding Over Cocktails. <laughs>